Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst for Knowledge Podcast, episode 17. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we're talking about philosophy, or the love of wisdom. Yeah, in today's episode, we've got a great guest, Andrew Q. Quist, who's a good friend of ours, and he explains a lot of different things regarding philosophy. We cover such stuff as different disciplines of philosophy, uh, philosophy and ethics, thought experiments, Buddhist philosophy, um, including many other cool, neat things. Yes. So a big thank you to Andrew Q for coming on the podcast, and enjoy, guys. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy. blood out of my body and then I inject some drugs into it and then I put that pint of blood oh, back into my body so that I can have the drugs. <laughs> Didn't Lance so Armstrong that. do that? Doesn't yeah, that? it's called blood doping. <laughs> and it's but true isn't, that, like, isn't awesome. that when you uh, exercise real hard then draw blood and then use that super high altitude blood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oxygen rich blood that yeah. you use that to shoot yourself up with. Yes, yeah. before Race competition. Day. Yeah. Mm. And you're yeah. like, I wonder who figured that out. Some crazy Some Russian scientist, or, probably. Or did someone reason to that? Like, hmm, oxygen levels in your blood increase when X happens. It started off as a theory, and then they're just like, or it started off for something else. Oh yeah, like it was some other thing that oh, was like yeah. some Maybe kind of like treatment pilots or something, or something. like to keep them aware when they didn't have pressurized cabins. Yeah, that's a total reach. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> something, something. But you know, I would imagine. Everybody in that sport, a lot of people do that. It was just he was made the example. Oh, absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, like, because he had all those wins and whatnot. And right. Yeah, that's, it's rife in that. Like, sure. I saw some article about uh, tiny electric motors hidden in frames. What? To, uh, again, help increase speed. Like, it's not Damn. enough to propel you by itself, but enough to take the resistance off that you last that much longer or whatever. Sure. Just a little bit resistance. Yeah, and the help. way they found these was, the way that they were checking for these was heat um, thermal imaging cameras because the little motors emitted, you know, they'd be white hot in a weird part of the frame for or sure. the wheel or something. I'm just like, oh my God. Well, as a wise philosopher once said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was that? <laughs> Which brings us to our episode oh. today. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> And um, on the podcast today, we have the lovely and talented, a very good friend of mine, one of the best, Mr. Andrew Quist. Oh, boy. That's me. Hi. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> who is telling that story about the bicycles with the tiny motors inside yes. them that make you go faster. They had some stupid headline like electronic doping or something. Like, that's, it's, <laughs> motor. It's, not, it's, it's not. You can't make it catchy. It's I like electronic yeah. dope every day when I drive home. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, that's the future, though, right? Electronic doping. Electronic doping. Mm. <laughs> it's now, man. When we're all part machine, right? Like a cyborg, like yeah. a transhuman. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck. People Fuck. are already doing that. I think I need a pack of cigarettes before we get in here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Well, I don't have a pack of cigarettes for you, but I do have a beer. A delicious beer. Mm. A delicious beer. This is so. thirst for knowledge, yeah. and I'm thirsty. That is correct. So... Um, 
this beer uh, from Brewery Omegang, which three out of four of us have visited here together. In lovely Cooperstown, yes. New York. Yep. Um, uh, is the Three Philosophers, which we thought would be appropriate for this podcast. Um, but it's a very special edition because it's in a can, Ooh. and it's also aged in red wine barrels. So Three mm-hmm. Philosophers is a blend of a uh, a Belgian quad in a creek, essentially. That's the regular Three a Philosophers. A creek is a cherry lambic? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like much. 3% cherry lambic, 97% Belgian uh-huh. quad that yeah. they then blend. That's regular Three Philosophers. Yes, but then that yes. blend has been put into a wine red, barrel for red this. Red wine barrels, yeah, which is crazy. And I have none of us have tried this beer so far, so we're going to crack really it. Said the regular this. one yeah. is a... Longtime favorite. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oma Gang is one of those first breweries you sort of come across in the Northeast that's makes like really good beer. Especially for us back in the day, like yeah. when there wasn't this the craft just at the beginning of the craft beer boom when you know we could get our hands on like Sierra and Dogfish and Stone and everything, but you know, Oma Gang was in pretty close proximity being over in New York and we're one state away. Also being like Belgian heavy. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, those Belgian beers were some of the first like, you know, first love of the good craft beer stuff. And this looks fantastic. the anticipation of this is much higher than normal. I know. It looks tasty. I'm gonna put that in my mouth. <laughs> swallow it home, baby. Swallow it home. <laughs> All right, here, gentlemen, we've got four, four glasses of three philosophers. For this philosophy-based podcast, throw me a, throw me a, um, what do I want to do? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't go crazy now. Oh, we gonna do boomerang? Oh, he's gonna take. Wait, boomeranging or what? No, I'm gonna take out Instagram for our Instagram. You can do boomerang on that, yo. What's that mean? It's like one of those videos where we clink it and then then it plays a boomerang. I don't know how to do either. Just just, clink it. Yeah, here you go. (laughs) Clink. Did you take the pick? No, everyone's so quick. (laughs) (laughs) Well. I'll yeah. just take a pic with the with the can. Yeah, we're we're bad at social media. But. <laughs> how's everybody? How, how's everybody like the beer? Does it taste d- delicious? It smells good. Is it tasty? It's, the aroma's great. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, that's delightful. Yeah, that's tasty. That well, it, although I would have expected more of a wine, that wine flavor. Oh yeah, you get a little bit of. A little bit of oakiness and everything, but you got to think that um, this beer, in and of itself, like a lot of the flavors that you get in, in that Belgian quad, you get a lot of those dark fruits. You get a lot of with the cherries and all so that good. stuff. It, I, I think the the wine barrels are going to be much more complementary mm. to those flavors that already Ooh. exist Ooh. instead of an upfront flavor. Yeah. Instead of like Not a bang, right? thing. exactly, yeah, yeah. An, ex- but, an extension of what's there. Yeah, pretty. It was like when I did that. Um, that Belgian triple with plums. Oh yeah! It wasn't like you were Is that like still in there. We still have a little bit left. Yeah, I've been slow. It's been almost a year. I've been, you know, Milking savoring it. that. Did thing. you get in yeah. on that? I had some when you first came in. Yeah, mm. nice. Yeah, that's yeah, so good. It's one Q, of my favorite styles. Q is visiting us from the great state of Colorado, the Centennial State. Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, it, it was admitted to the Union in 1876, a hundred years after the. Um, Declaration of Independence. All so right. the hundredth year of the country's life, I guess. Yeah, hmm. Right. Dang. That's cool. 
<laughs> so cute. Why are you on the show? Yeah. What's well, your credentials, bro? Uh, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm great at parties. That's true. That's I, very uh, true. I like long walks on the beach, oh. and uh, he really does. He's just not saying that. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I'm the missing fourth member. Yeah, well, he's the unofficial fourth member yeah. of the TFK podcast. Finally. Mm. I'm looking for that one. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, So cute. I music, mean, beer, philosophy. When I, when I met you, yes. all right, mm. let's let's go back just a little mm. bit. So, Nostalgia part three. Yeah, um, I met you um, when we were playing in a band together. Yes. Well, we weren't playing in the band together at the time that yeah. I met you, but then we ended up Very shortly so. thereafter, yes. we started playing... But for that initial few hours, we weren't playing. That's yes. correct. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much... Um, man, how old were you then? 18, 19? Yes, 18. Yeah, and I think I had just turned 19 at that point. Or something like I that. I was 64 Yeah, yeah pretty much. Old. Which is, which <laughs> is crazy. Young boy. It was 13 years ago. But, but none, nonetheless, so that was when I just started college. And you were you in college yet? Or you were... I was taking, I must have been taking classes. You were taking, yeah, you must have been. Yeah. yeah. So you started off, like, if I remember correctly, in a history background, uh, right? Academically, yes. Yeah. I, well, before I went to college, one big salient feature of my life was that I was homeschooled for six years. Yeah. In middle school and part of high school. Then I went to a tiny high school and graduated, and then I went to... Uh, like community college for a year, took some classes, and then transferred over to a quote real college. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I initially was geography. That was <laughs> oh my major. yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> and that's then right. I switched over to history because I was like, fuck it, I want to study something I like. So yeah. And then I added a minor in philosophy. And that's where you started. So was it before? Like, when did you actually like? Were you always into philosophy? No. Or was that something, something that you ha- discovered? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the watershed moment. That's kind of an interesting... Yeah. I asked people who were in the program with me about that. But for me, it was... I was taking this class in philosophy of science, which is a type of philosophy, mm-hmm. if you couldn't tell by the name. Yeah. <laughs> to do with science. Science. <laughs> um, and there's this problem that we went over. It's called Hume's Riddle of Induction. And David Hume was this Scottish philosopher, blah, 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 old dead white guy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, whole, the problem is... Essentially, if you distill it down, you can't prove the uh, uniformity of nature. Okay. So, inductive reasoning is as follows. I saw a white swan today. I saw a white swan yesterday. I saw a white swan for the past seven days before that. So, therefore, the next swan I see will be... White. White. Yeah. Now, that's inductive, not deductive reasoning. Deductive reasoning is like... uh, Socrates is a man. All men are mortal. Therefore, Socrates is mortal. Okay. Because that conclusion just falls out of the two premises. Okay. There's yep. it. It has to be the case. It's, it's if those not, premises are true. The conclusion has to be true. It's not an observed pattern. Yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah. So yeah. In, in induction. Uh, I'm not going to go too. I don't want to get too far afield here. Of, but of the. Induction it doesn't work like that. It's a different type of reasoning. Yeah. And Hume was just pointing out that, oh, man, we use induction a lot yep. to do a lot of stuff in the world. 
and in the in the con- context of this course, um, all of science's induction. Yeah. Oh, I've observed this mass falling at you know ten meters per second. Yeah. You perform the experiment so many times. Exactly. And therefore, it's true. Yeah. Now that's a whole nother question about how that works of, and how evidence confirms things or whatnot. But well, all he was saying is. We think science is deductive. It's not. It's inductive. Inductive is never 100%. Yep. So basically, we're not at bottom rational creatures because science is such a central part of our civilization. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we don't do things because of reason. And we don't. I mean, other studies have sort of proved this. But at that time, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's undermined all of science. <laughs> so, so flat earth is real, basically. Yeah. I mean, that was... I was on a trip. I had a. I was a trip. I remember coming in and telling the instructor like that I was laying awake thinking about this, and he was totally fascinated by that. And I just thought it was an important problem. And um, when was Hume like alive and operating? Oh, uh, the seventeenth century. Okay, I think. Okay, so if he was going to destroy the whole like you know. Um, essence of our yeah, yeah. Break, break it would have it happened, happened by now yeah. Yeah. oh yesterday he was born yesterday yeah. <laughs> he's just a baby yeah. <laughs> he's a pregnant baby um, yeah it's uh, it's interesting it's an interesting sort of intellectual puzzle um, obviously things are much more complicated yes and a lot of more people have done a lot more writing about that but that was the thing that was the moment that sort of like got me thinking well this shit seems real important oh yeah so from there I started taking as many classes as I possibly could took more than i needed from the minor um through the tutelage of some of those professors ended up going to graduate school for it and that's what took me out to colorado and so like so through that that tutelage from those professors they kind of pointed you in that direct or they they gave you a handful of schools that would be they basically essentially just presented the option as viable to me like hey there's this thing called graduate school and people go there to learn more yeah yeah yeah. and i'm thinking this sounds great and the big piece of advice was don't go if they're not going to get if it's not going to be paid for okay so basically any school that offers you a program a lot of schools will depending on what level it is masters or phd will offer you if you get in you're going to be paid for yeah because they only want to have it's in their best interest to have students that are getting funded that are actually finishing the program that are going on to teaching positions because that makes the program look better of course so on and so forth so but they yeah they presented this option to me and i was i went for it and yeah you 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 were not um one of the people that was just getting a master's up so like oh i have a master's now i'm gonna make x amount of more money you were actually pursuing more knowledge which i think is (laughs) is one of the more rare things these days especially when it comes to higher learning like that yeah and that's how i approached the undergrad though is i said fuck whatever i could get a career out of i'm gonna study the thing i want to study and that i like and that i think is important yeah because once i have a degree i mean you know joe schmo incorporated doesn't care if it's in history or you know business well i mean they kind of do yeah i find out they give a shit a little bit (laughs) but yeah i mean again it's like how you market yourself how much you want to sell yourself how much you want to suck the right dick of course you know that's right baby (laughs) (laughs) preach preach (laughs) yeah i mean you want to spend your when you're pursuing an interest you want to spend your time like really dug in deep and learn from people who know what they're doing and can like point point you in the right at least 
if if you if you're you know seeking higher education by any means, right. whether it be going to some master's program or apprenticing under a carpenter or right. something like that, you want to be around the people that are going to help you, you know, get the best out of that, mm. right? And it's With, interesting, uh, sort of pursuing like that type of thing the history and then it's it's all liberal arts it's all humanities yeah which i think is giving me a particular outlook that i might not have gotten had i been a strict student of science engineering or oh, mathematics yeah. or science i'm sure definitely um but also a little bit different from other humanities like you know english or anthropology or something yeah. Because philosophy is interesting. It's kind of like a meta discipline. Like I said earlier, there's a philosophy of science. Yeah. We'd make, ask these big questions. And then philosophy, like I was mentioning earlier, my favorite sound by definition of it is. Uh, you told me this oh earlier. Oh, my God. It was really good. <laughs> oh, critical examination of things we take for granted. And that's, I attribute that to my, my friend Nick Kraus. And it's, if you think about it, that's really all it is. You start asking these really big fundamental questions about anything. So, oh, yeah philosophy of knowledge is called epistemology where you just ask really big questions like what do you mean by no and knowledge what do you mean by that yeah can we get clear on that and that's basically how you can do a lot of it it's just let's get clear about what we're talking about here like what do you actually mean by that yeah dude i've i've been thinking like i have no philosophy background i never took any school in it like whatsoever i'm kind of i kind of wish that i'd had that i that i looked into it a little bit more but i've kind of been mind fucking myself a little bit lately just my favorite kind of fucking yeah (laughs) (laughs) just asking those simple questions like why do we do things this way Mm. why why is this why is this a social norm yeah exactly like how how did we get to this point like of, of certain things and it's like then you start going down these rabbit holes and you start like just in your own head and then you're like well there must have been people that have been thinking about these things for hundreds of years and you think about like all these important philosophers that I don't know yeah like is there if, if, if anybody wanted to like dip their toes into philosophy like what would be your recommendations for doing and books oh, or like shit I wasn't prepared for this no no no, no, no <laughs> but I mean like maybe something that you've okay, that any, you've read that really stuck with you like in your early days anything by Peter Singer he's an ethicist because okay. I feel like ethics is something that a lot of people can easily engage with. Okay. You start yeah. talking about metaphysics and ontology to someone. That's you that's, really you need but, to you need to have a base for yeah. that. You can't just start there. I mean, yeah, it would be yeah. It's, ethics is something I mean like everyone you know, talk about abortion. That's a social issue. It's yeah. a political issue. It's also a philosophical issue if yeah. you explore it in certain ways. So Of course, yeah. Um Maybe you can talk about metaphysics by way of uh, religion or God. That's another way that people usually will engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ethics is interesting because it really forces you to ask these big fundamental questions about really simple things like how should we treat people yeah. and why should we treat people that way? Mm. Um, or like, There's like a whole business in the medical field just for ethics. Bioethics? Yeah. yeah, there's a guy. And there's like that, lawyers and stuff that yeah. are just like, all right, should we do surgery on this person? Yeah. Even though they, if they die or like Siamese twins, if we cut them in half, one's going to die and one's not, should we do the surgery? Is it ethical to do it or Dude, not? Totally. Murder? Yeah, there's a whole, I mean, um, the whole business behind one it. One of the guys that uh, teaches at CSU worked as a medical ethicist at a hospital for a number of years. And um, that's a whole huge literature. I mean, there's this whole, I mean, 
a whole sub literature just on consent. What does it mean yeah. to be consenting to something? Do you understand like consent at the time versus what your end, um, what the uh, person at, at when it's all said and done would consent to, rather than pre-surgery or whatever? You know, it's it's wild. Oh boy, yeah. it gets deep. My brother's wife does it. Yeah, at Houston for hospitals. Okay, and. I've heard some deep ones. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that's there, the thing is like, if you just, if you stop and think about it, you're you like, stop damn, and, that is kind yeah. of complex. Yeah. And you sort of like keep peeling back the layers. Yeah. There's, There's all these for. crazy scenarios that come up that you would never think of. And that's why you need people who are thinkers and yeah. who have thought about a lot of things and have a basic foundation for, what's, no, go ahead. for being able to think about these things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the thing is like with, bio, with medical ethics, it's, it seems like what to do when something bad happens because lots of bad things might happen and if it's a medical setting it's life and death or what have you or people getting maimed or whatever right but the same uh confidence the same insight should be acknowledged for people who aren't just medical like regular ethicists who are saying hey maybe we should stop doing things like this and start doing them like this other thing doing in this other way that's more ethical for x y and z reasons and the thing we're doing now isn't ethical for a b and c reasons or whatever but nobody listens to academics so (laughs) with ethics is doesn't sort of your approach to solving or rationalizing or thinking about a problem through the ethical scope isn't that also based off of like what sort of philosophy you subscribe to oh yeah yeah it depends on what your your framework is what your background is um Anyone can make an ethical... Well, here's a really famous thought experiment that um, you've probably heard before. It's the trolley car example. So you're standing at a uh, railroad, like a trolley track, and you see a trolley coming down, barreling at you, and you turn around, and behind you, there is where the track goes straight ahead, there are five people um, tied, to the tra- tied to the rails, right? Now, you're also right next to a switch, and that switch will divert the track to another track that only has one person on it. So what happens? You do nothing, the trolley comes and kills five people. You pull the lever, you change the course of the trolley, it goes and it kills one person. What, what? are your first reactions? Don't even think about it, just gut reactions. Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess, like... So gut reaction, me sitting in this chair in this room right now, is you flip that switch. Right. But if I was in that moment, actually in that scenario, that's a different thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, you I whip your phone out and you go viral, baby. <laughs> yeah, you, you film the shit <laughs> and you don't show the switch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. No, I mean, you think you just kill one person, right? I mean, that's what's well, worth. One is less than five. Well, here's the thing: and is that's, like that's yeah, in part one of, that's scenario, a, you're taking an action. Exactly. In one scenario, you're pulling that lever and yeah. making that happen. In the other, you're not doing anything. You're just acquiescing and letting nature take die. its course. Exactly. Now, and there's versions of this problem. Like one is instead of pulling a lever, you're oh, you're on a bridge that goes over the trolley, and you have to push a fat man onto the ra- onto the trolley tracks to stop it. Now people you get different reactions from people who said, you know, yeah, you definitely pull the switch. They don't want they'll pull the switch, but they don't want to push the fat guy. Yeah. 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 So what's the difference between you murdering that person and murdering the other person, man? Exactly. How yeah. it's done. I mean, it, these sorts of things. Again, we're not rational because if we're all if we're all just rational, we'll be like, oh well obviously you just pull the switch because one person dying is less bad than five. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But we don't work off of that machinery. No. 
Um, and, and then and then you have the other scenarios, right? What if that one person is your daughter, your wife, yeah, your your friend? Exactly. And then the other five people are people that you don't even know. Yeah. Peace. You know? Well, that was, that dead, I, I had an ethics, an ethical question um, proposed to me, I think when I was in like my sophomore year. And the, the, the question was, you're in a museum, it's on fire, and you... You only have enough time to make a decision to either save a, a priceless piece of art or an old woman. Mm. What do you do? Mm. Okay, so the argument is this is a priceless piece of, of history. Okay, there's only one of these that will ever be made versus... There's only one Yolanda, too. Some, <laughs> some old bitch. I don't know why in my mind she's Hispanic. <laughs> but. So Yolanda is old. She's lived her full life like... Like, what do you do? And I guess, uh, you know, everybody will have a different reaction yeah. or intent I like that there. One. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Depends. Is she asleep? <laughs> oh, God. Is she Ow. asleep? She's at that museum for a reason because she loves art. Maybe she's like, save the art. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Could be. You know, yeah. I mean, how many, what, how many years does she have left? I mean, shit, is she going to die when she walks out anyway of a heart attack? Yeah, right. Who knows? You man? don't know. That's the thing. Now, I mean, do I get to keep some of that money from that art? <laughs> right. Uh, there's different ways you can look at that. Like one person might look at the end result. You know, what's the what's it, what's going to happen at the end? Is that uh, a situation that I want and I think is better than the one now? Some people might think, well, whatever action I do is going to condition my uh, psyche in such a way that it's going to make those actions easier to do in the future. So if it's something bad right now, bad quotation marks. Sure. Um, then maybe you're sort of playing with fire like oh yeah obviously you know she's old you know and she wants the art to be saved so i'm gonna you know those are the type of questions where like usually you save as many people as possible and you don't really think about it you like with the questions when it's not happening you can like hmm, maybe let me just think about well, that yeah, for a little exactly. bit you know like said this thing yeah. in the moment it's totally different so yeah. this whole like exercise is just that an exercise right. that's why these are thought experiments you try to figure out what is the most moral thing to do right you know or in what, the moment yeah you save that late and fuck art yeah i mean after thinking about it you're because, like shit and that's interesting because i think you're pointing to maybe like a sort of something innate in our species or as a as a organism seeing another one of our organisms right. of the same species in trouble you want to help that it's a sort right. of like survive compassion of, mm, a, yeah. of a sort um and I think that definitely is something that plays a role. But also, yeah. like, how much does your your cultural upbringing play a role into your your decisions or how you sort of work through some of these, you know, um, thought experiments? So, a lot. <laughs> um, I I don't want I, I don't want to go on a tangent too much here, but I, I've come to this conclusion that uh, there's a paper. And I don't know if I told you when guy, one of you guys this, but there's a paper by Galen Strawson called Luck Swallows Everything. You were telling me about this on the hike. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in it, he's, it the paper's about free will. Do we have it? Do we not? What does that mean? Moral responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he basically makes the point, you can't choose the conditions that made you who you are. And who you are is what's responsible for your actions. So you didn't ever really get to choose the ultimate source of your actions because you didn't get to choose where you were born, your upbringing. So and at the end, oh, luck man. swallows <laughs> everything because, yeah, once after a certain point, if you come online, you can start making decisions, you can start analyzing things rationally or what have you or taking advice or what have you. 
But at what point was the condition, the groundwork, the framework exactly. already set? Yeah. Where your default settings are built from your upbringing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's a total matter of chance that you saw Back to the Future and Temple of Doom and Star Wars when you did. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right, you know, and definitely. if you saw them at a different time, it might have been a different influence on exactly. you. You know, that's like. Yeah, I mean, you could say that with so many things, <laughs> With so many right? things. And that's just like, you know, pop culture stuff. Imagine, yeah. like, things like values. Of course. Of and, course. you know, I don't know, like, how much you were uh, encouraged to share with your siblings rather than fight them or something. Yep. You know, it's like, it's crazy how much this stuff sort of scaffolds on top of things before it. And you would have to think that for the average person, that's usually the case, right? Unless you are somebody that spends a lot of time considering all these things and yeah. thinking about these things. So, But d- how many people are there that spend a lot of time thinking about these things yeah, and considering and, well, these that's the things? Thing, like, I, Just one. <laughs> me. Because none of this is real and we all live in a goddamn matrix. We're all just living in Brahma's dream, man. Just a simulation much, of yeah. my life. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Is like I think this stuff is incredibly important, and I think the value is immediately recognizable once you start just thinking about it. Yeah. But I also understand how incredibly privileged and lucky I am to be able to have gone to, you know, graduate school for this, and to be able to have had the uh, material security such that I'm able to think about these things rather than where am I going to get my next meal or I have to keep predators away from me. Of course, yeah, yeah. Like so, where do I find water? Yeah, all that stuff. Right. You know, you know what cave am I going to sleep in? You know. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's, I think that's what's interesting about human beings is that we've sort of built all this and now we can destroy really, it. Really, we can really play hmm. it. We can play a real long game yep. with our sort of collective cognitive abilities, but are we? I think we should be. Oh, yeah, but, I agree. Definitely. But yeah, you were asking if it depends on your background, your cultural upbringing, and like I said, that's why I'm going to have a story about right. luck and what have you. Um, <clears throat> I think that's the case. Uh, I think what I've tried to do is sort of think about things in a coherent manner. Like I've tried to make make it so that my values all kind of hang together in a, sure. in a coherent way because that seems important to me to have coherent values. Some people... I don't think have coherent values, but they'd also don't think that coherent values are a good thing. It doesn't matter if their values are incoherent. They could think, you know, I don't know something about gun control and something about mental health or abortion or whatever. And it doesn't make sense when you drive it all together. Sure. But, and it's weird to think that some people don't think that you don't, you know, have to have all your stuff hanging together. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know what saying? There, there's a through line between your different points of um, points of view on things, right? Yeah. Like, whereas you can just pick in, like a la carte, like, all yeah. right, I want abortion, <laughs> I don't want guns, yeah. I don't want, yeah. and there's nothing that actually holds all those values together, except, like you said. Yeah, maybe except, preference, maybe it's just easier for you to continue to believe X, Y, and Z because it's too hard course. to it, rearrange everything else. Yeah, like, okay, I like Team Blue, so they do this, this, and this, so um, that's why I do this, this, yeah. and this, rather than actually think about all of those things individually and then what your what your real thoughts are on those I things mean, digging deeper on them that seems like 
I mean, through just through social media, through mm. the political system, through I mean, a lot of these things that we kind of see and, and with these really hot button issues, a lot of people are just kind of like either just sort of regurgitating what I've, what they've seen online, and they just kind of want to jump on the bandwagon or they don't really necessarily put that thought into taking a position and what that position means to them and what led them to that position. Mm. Yeah. I've always thought that the internet when it first came out was a tool to learn and it was more of an informational thing. (laughs) But as time went on and it got developed more, it became more of like a virus tool for pollen, baby. And now it's <laughs> well, just like I mean, that's all it really ever was. <laughs> yeah. And now it's more gonna of get like a nudes. virus, and it could just manipulate anyone in any way. And now you just make up some bullshit value, and everyone has their own opinion on it. But like, like gun control or abortion, like, does it really matter? I mean, the internet. I mean, it matters. I mean, yeah, it matters. I think it does. But it's like it's something that's like, oh, this is the issue now. Oh, I but think like, I so. Ignore saying. these issues. Yeah. Now this is the issue. Well, and everyone's it, like, okay, flip. Okay, now yeah. that issue's over because someone just stopped talking about. It. Now this issue, flip. It's like a combination of uh, it's controlling a 20, the masses, man. A 20, Shut it down. A twenty-four hour news cycle and the I think evolved tribalism we have yeah. as a yeah. species. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Because you're going to see that where it's just like, oh. Here's a here's a hot button issue. Where do you fall on it? Where oh, do your friends fall dude, on it? Dude, I was just I was yeah, like which, holding which this. Which Spice Girl are you? I was holding this I'm thought. Furry. I'm a fucking baby Spice. <laughs> the hottest one. <laughs> I was holding this thought in my head while you were saying that, and it was now you everybody has to have a take on everything, mm. and I don't think that that's correct because. I think if you're going to have a take oh, on something, uh, you should have an informed take yeah, on something. You'd like that, think so, wouldn't you? So that's why when people enter the U.S. voting system, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so like, if people ask me like my take on something, and I'm not educated about that, I'll just say, I really, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like, I'm not going to just make up an answer for you yeah. because I haven't looked into that. And that's that's a good point because I don't think most people are comfortable with that tension that ambiguity yeah with yeah. a lot of things of course um so they come they just say something like oh i'm just going to believe the things my parents did because it's it's easier which i did that when i was younger yeah oh, i did time. too yeah. like Same. i hate pop music yeah. i you know i like rock music or whatever follow your parents and, uh, footsteps uh, yeah in like i like bob Doe too mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> exactly man hmm just, mm. just stop mm. and think. Just stop, stop and think. And drink a beer. Stop and think and drink a beer. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. If you just think about stuff and harsh segue, I've heard people explain all of Buddhism like that. Like it's so just what's Buddhism because I don't know anything so about it. So it's like this thing, man. When you uh, you just could become one with the nothing, man. One with nothing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nothing matters, you know. Just counting down the days. Oh my God, no! It's so depressing. <laughs> just getting older. We're and just bags bored. of blood and shit. Fucking oh. waiting to die. I mean, <laughs> you want to be literal about that thing? I'm starting finding patterns and things that aren't pattern patterned start collect, connecting all these dots that's man. very human oh my god I keep looking out the window and seeing people drive by and they're spying on me <laughs> the planes man they're spelling out words in the sky oh god all is going according to plan 
Wrong uh, podcast. Keep so, Buddhism. Oh, yeah. So just explaining it as basically mindfulness. Mindfulness being aware of everything you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're trying to get to, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, and I think that's a really good way to explain it. I know I'm you guys glad are, you really think your explanation's good. <laughs> I yeah. know you guys know that... Like setting goals and stuff? Is that what you're saying? Like no, it's, like, goals it's like, okay, well, I know you know what Buddhism is. It's, you know, 3,000-year-old spiritual system from India. I just know it's like a bald dude. No, like, that's, a, that's the symbol. That's, that's not that's the Buddha. Buddha. Yeah. That's not the Buddha, right? Okay, so let's see how quickly I can do this. He's a prince, right? Yeah. And... Uh, he was ripped and had an l- awesome life. Palatial okay. lifestyle. Women, beautiful things all around him. His parents hid all the ugly stuff from him. So it was just... All he saw was good. All he saw was good. And then one day he goes outside of his, his palace and he sees an old person. He asks the chariot driver, what's that? Oh my God, that's an old person. Everyone gets old. Happens to everyone. He's upset. They go back. Another day he goes out again. Same chariot driver. He sees a person on the side of the road sick. All real sick. Oh my God, what's that? Terry Driver's like, oh, that's sickness. Happens to everyone. And then he goes out, and he's real troubled. Goes back. Third time, he comes out, he sees uh, a dead body. And he's like, what the fuck is that? Terry Driver's like, hey, man, death comes for all. You can't do anything about it. Damn. And he's like totally torn up about this. Mind fucked. Yeah, so he goes out one more time, and he sees an ascetic, a monk, sitting there in meditation, after with all this you know death sickness old age all around him and he's sort of got this contented half smile on his face he's just doing his thing and the buddha thinks oh man he knows something he's on to something so after seeing that fourth sights the first three are the three sights he sees this fourth sight of the monk and he leaves and he goes on his spiritual quest he goes through teacher after teacher he masters all of their meditation techniques but he still can't escape conditioned existence right so after mastering all these techniques, he ends up, uh, I mean, he was, like, they say, uh, submitting himself to such harsh um, rules, like he wasn't eating, it was, you could see his spine from the front, through his stomach, it was just thin, it was nasty. Damn, that's thin. Yeah, damn, it's real thin. Um, <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> Skeletal. He, uh, he says, essentially, fuck, this isn't working, I'm gonna eat some rice pudding. So he does. And he says, that tree looks nice. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to figure this shit out. So he sits down under this Bodhi tree. And I think it's like three days later after meditation, he has this awakening, this realization uh, about the about conditioned existence. And he doesn't want to teach because he doesn't think it's going to make a difference. He doesn't think anyone's going to understand him. But he ends up teaching some of the people that he uh, meditated with and... And you're often off and running to the races. Then you have a spiritual tradition 3,000 years later. So it's mostly, I like, again, uh, thinking about it as a way, um, as just mindfulness, as being aware of everything. His whole purpose was to eliminate suffering. He didn't care about God or the devil or anything like that. It's what matters is now, what matters is human suffering, because that's what we have to deal with. And that's the thing that makes us all feel shitty. Sure. Mm-hmm. So and that's what we're constantly dealing with on a day, dealing with or not dealing with on a daily basis, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's a, it's always kind of clawing at us. Yeah. But so, not everybody yeah. is actually like paying attention to that or being mindful of well, it. Because he described it as having different depths or different layers. So there's gross suffering, and that's physical pain mm-hmm. or mental anguish, and that's real. Like obviously that guy's suffering. You know, mm-hmm. if you're on fire, you're suffering. Yeah. yeah. Or if you know, 
you just saw your family murdered, you're suffering. That's obvious. Foot, and then ca- foot caught in a bear trap. Yeah. yeah. Then there's more subtle layers of suffering where it's um, the suffering of a uh, conditioned existence where it's things arise and you try to get those things. And then when you finally get them, you're concerned about holding on to them and then, or other people taking them. So you're either always uh, clawing after something or trying to push things away. You're trying to keep stuff. Um, and that's, that's a much more subtle uh, type so like of an suffering. attachment or possessive. Yeah, it's it's the uh, that's a more existential suffering where it's you know that's the stuff that you can't shake with a fancy job and of course. Sure. So wouldn't you sure. say that he f- basically found out that if he just stayed in the palace, he would have been fully happy because he would have been blinded by all the pain. Well, the the point he's getting to is that all that all that stuff. That his youth, his beauty, all the beauty of those around him, all that's going to end. Everything's impermanent. Gotcha. So you're either a have-not trying to get all that stuff, and then once you have that stuff, you want to try to keep all that stuff. Because if things are fundamentally impermanent, you can't... It's a losing game. You shouldn't even play that game. And that's basically what it was saying. Is like, What's the point? Yeah. Well, there's a point, but not to that. Mm. So um, his whole thing was getting out of this suffering. Uh, and initially it was spelled out through the means of this path, but different traditions have sort of taken in different ways. And that's why I mentioned that ethical point earlier about conditioning your own actions is because um, certain Buddhist traditions will emphasize that point is that you don't want to do certain things. You want to do certain things morally and abstain from certain things morally because it'll help condition you to be uh, a virtuous person. Okay. So, I guess that's kind of a half-assed Buddhism in a nutshell thing. <laughs> that's good. So, he got fat because he ate a lot of rice pudding. That's that's, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Well, that's funny. That that image, that like laughing Buddha, the fat one. Of course. It's, it's yeah. not the true Buddha. It's not even a, it's a, it's like a Chinese monk. Okay. With a different name who I can't remember right now. Um, I'll have to fact check that. But it's, yeah. it's a different, like, entity altogether but it just got associated exactly yeah yeah Yeah. that's pretty funny yeah the buddha was definitely probably looked like someone from north india okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. interesting but that whole system and you like the thing about weaving sort of your values together i found a lot of stuff in buddhism really uh worth adopting in one way or another could because the metaphysical aspect of it sort of links together nicely with the ethical aspect of it um and although this isn't spelled out in buddhist texts it sort of spills over into how you might think about political or social issues as well is buddhism like reincarnation stuff that uh rebirth and reincarnation is a pan indian belief so you'll see that in hinduism you'll see it in buddhism you'll see it in uh jainism and other smaller regional religions in Asia. Is that basically like teach just like be kind to others or be kind to all things because you don't know so who's who or what's what? More or less. Well, what Buddhism or re- reincarnation? Reincarnation. The idea is that you, well, outside of Buddhism, uh, like in, in, in the Hindu belief systems, there's an Atman. There's a there's a like a, a soul. There's a there's a James Evers that will always be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And he is getting he's in this body right now, 
but he's going to be in a different body the next time and he was in a different body before and it's just going to keep going right so one way to one way to game that system is to yeah i want to do good shit because i want to have a better rebirth next time i want to have a three-car garage <laughs> and i want if that's what you value life. well i mean if it's an easier life more or less but gotcha. yeah you want to do things to increase your chances next time around so that's what a lot of um hindus would 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 uh ascribe to these sorts of things um or you might um what is it called moksha liberation from that that whole thing that whole um like breaking the cycle break, yeah that, that was cycle? that was the whole that was the whole buddhist uh hack in the matrix basically kind of, yeah it was he's like yeah we keep going from rebirth to rebirth but in every birth there's going to be suffering in every birth there's impermanence because every birth is conditioned existence so the, the buddhas wanted to sort of stop the wheel from turning break the wheel right mm-hmm. right uh if you will and um so in some ways a lot of people compare buddhism to protestantism in the sense that protestantism came out as a revolt against the catholic church even though it's still very much christian rooted in those yeah. yeah buddhism shares a lot of things with hinduism but it wanted to break with i don't think that's a very accurate way to look at it it's kind of a diff- but quick and dirty explanation it's kind yeah of, sure. kind of, kind that, of works that in general a lot of people would yeah get. yeah yeah so did you come to buddhism through philosophy is that how you discovered oh, it yeah like, so no it's something that's kind of just percolated at the fringes I thumped a Bible until I was 18. Yeah. And sort of went through a period where I was anti-religion and stumbled into Buddhism and a lot of other Far Eastern thinking. But I don't know why or, again, luck swallows everything. I just happened to get more Buddhist books than other books and it's just one of these things I kind of started reading more and more about. And I didn't enter into it through academic philosophy until much later when I found out there was a way to enter into it through academic philosophy because I always thought, oh, this stuff's really, really neat. I really think it's interesting. But in academia, there's this weird sort of, it's not weird, it's totally understandable, but Mm -hmm. um, sort of a a maligning of anything that's not written by um, the Western philosophers. Western white men, basically. So, oh, all that stuff from India, oh, that's just, that's just woo-woo bullshit. But if you actually look at some like Buddhist philosophy, it's really... There's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of dry technical shit there that's yeah. not woo-woo whatsoever. Yeah. It's boring. is just as boring as your European uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. stuff. So it's like... Uh, I mean, it's, the, it's, see, it's a that, false dichotomy. That's interesting because people who sort of... Um, whose life's work is to ascribe to a higher level of thinking and, and mindfulness and openness can look at that and there's a i mean there's real tribalism right there in and of its own like like the west versus the east and all this stuff is the right way that stuff is the wrong way yeah well that's that's what's interesting is when i was in gotten deeper into philosophy that's what i thought well we have this critical eye we turn towards everything why aren't we turning that to our own fucking discipline oh yeah why why is it the case that there is just as much if not more uh you know old boy club sexism misogyny that type of racist shit in this part of academia <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense like no like it's yeah, totally like, counter it 
<laughs> yeah. Wait, you're confusing me. Keep going, but you're confusing me. No, you? no. So philosophy right. is supposed to be this sort of critical enterprise. Yeah. Where we sort of break things down and like... Try to like, understand things. Yeah. So that apparatus of critique never gets turned on the discipline itself. Because if you look at academic philosophy and how academic philosophers treat each other, uh, the the bullshit sort of power politics, the, oh, the clickiness, right. the gotcha. the misogyny, sexes, these sorts of things. It's like it's with, it's within philosophy. Within, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. It's really counterintuitive. It is. It is, and it's you're teaching a belief that you don't believe in. Yeah, or you're teaching a way that a way of thinking that you don't. Think. You're not. <laughs> you're not applying it to yourself, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. Like being a math teacher and then like being terrible at math, like oh yeah, all this shit is just fake symbols. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, wait, what? yeah kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all these are just it's fucking fake symbols, yeah. man. It's just art. It's just art in a way. Yeah, it's not I mean, real. It's just, I mean, it's just my job. Like I just it's I just, went to yeah. school and yeah. I got a job doing it. So art. like that's what we do. It's like, just I brew beer, but it's just like flavored water, man. It's yeah, all good. no, it yeah, do exactly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, I, I think that one of our biggest problems. Like as a human race, <laughs> you can imagine teaching mm. like history, but then every once in a while, I'm like, but we all live in a matrix, so none of this is real. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a story. This isn't real. You guys aren't real. Yeah. Like, oh fuck, this teacher's crazy. What do you mean by real, James? Right, right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no. But I, <laughs> I think one of our biggest problems is that we do live in a matrix, and we just can't come to terms with. Oh it. my god, dude! Preach. <laughs> no, no okay. but I think. Um, just just basic critical thinking and being able to learn from each other and not like hold so tight to your beliefs and just being able to like have a conversation with somebody and hear what they have to say and then processing that yourself without just like taking it in one ear and out the other and then just talking back at somebody mm. like just people talking back at each other. I think there's a lot of that going on. And, oh yeah, and and it, we would be much better off if we actually took the time to listen to each other and process that information, and then respond back to each other, like having a proper conversation. And and with that, being okay that we don't agree with each other. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. We don't all need to think the same thing, right? We don't have right. <laughs> like in theory, that 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 can't work. We can't all think and believe the same things until we right? do and unify well, well no yeah that's interesting so being but, able but what about oh, oh, go ahead I, I'm gonna play devil's advocate yeah, here of what course, if yeah. the thing you're all believing is something like the law of gravity mm. something that's a truth yeah Cochation. should we all believe truth <laughs> no I'm saying no. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, there, right? if there is something that is as damn close to truth as you can get, something like a mathematical one equals one, the of identity property, if you can't yeah. like all agree on something like that, yeah. then what value does truth have anymore? That's the thing, man. Like, we all have our own, yeah, what is truth? You know, we all have our own things that we think are truth. Right. And then it, the whole conversation about different kinds of truth. Yeah. But at some point, the buck's got to stop because we're all sort of living in this intersubjective matrix. Yeah. We all yeah. have to sort of agree that there's a table here that's yep. holding all our beers. Of course. So at some point, yeah. reality grinds up against all of our perceptions. Yeah. Sure. So 
it's it can't be the case that we can just believe whatever we want to believe. I yeah. agree. So things have to line up. Okay. At some point, at one extreme. Now it could be a spectrum of things. Yeah. You know, uh, too often I've heard people just entirely dismiss the entire uh, uh, LGBTQ community because they don't know anyone who's any of those. Yeah, but right. those people don't matter. They're not real. They don't live in my town. It's like some people well, don't believe because, in unicorns. Because I mean. four people live in your town, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. No, it de- no, it definitely makes sense. It's like, one of those. I mean, there's definitely. A, there's <laughs> <laughs> Is this table real though? <laughs> fuck, I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. I fucking joke around about the Matrix, but like way, way back there, Morty. Deep in my mind, <laughs> I'm having a fucking severe panic attack. Oh. <laughs> I know because you bring it up way too often. <laughs> I, think it, I, I joke around, I make jokes, but way back there, Morty. <laughs> I'm like no. fucking bullshit. I mean, simulation the point, theory, man? man, it's a thing. It is a thing. Uh, that one dude, I fucking was randomly singing that Valerie song, and I was like, "This is such an obscure song. Why did I get into this? I don't know." It's fucking two weeks later, it's on a commercial. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> Fuck this place. Bringing this up again. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's fucking been bothering me, man. I, I don't know. sleep anymore. I think it's called... Confirm- Isn't that confirmation bias? Or the biter mon- monhop? Just find these fake, find these fake patterns. That's all. Yeah. Well, if, as soon as you're alerted to something, you're going to be on the lookout for it more. Yeah, and I find him, find the comment. The, yeah. yeah. It's I like know. you buy a Jeep. Now you see Jeeps everywhere exactly. on the road. Yeah, yeah. You, but the truth, though, you, you ever play GTA... <laughs> You straight up, yo. You Listen, listen. This is real. I don't know what it is, but it's real. You spend all day trying to find this one car. You finally find. You get in. You start driving, and then there's like forty cars in that car. Like I spent three hours looking for that one car, and now all of a sudden they're everywhere. Like I was looking for that car. Exactly. Now is that a coincidence or is that just a glitch in the matrix? No, that's a. That's a that's intentionally put there by programmers at yeah. Rockstar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. When like you three are of them in, are in the car. same row, and I'm like, there's three of them in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just put that in there like as a fucking cruel joke. Oh yeah. But what's the difference between that and real life, man? That's true. Just coded. Oh, fucking lot. It's, it's, it's just the architect, man. The architect, the architect. Put that thing in the Put that in there. Just a man in a white suit. Shit. Just to torment you and play tricks on your mind. <laughs> Oh man! So you got to dull your senses with delicious alcohol. <laughs> uh, All right, Q. So I guess there's a limit to that kind of thinking. Yeah, I don't think it's so. Well, I guess one antidote to the whole Matrix thing is it's no fuck that shit matters. It matters, okay? right? Right. When 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 your dog dies, you feel something, right? Sure do. Yeah, that shit matters. It matters when, uh, you know, someone insults your woman. Right. Or, uh, that's a horrible way to put that. They're, not, they're not property. <laughs> they're people with feelings. They're worth people. more than you are, probably. <laughs> I'm just a piece of shit. It's worth nothing. What was that? Yeah, um, I mean... 
We are more than just bags of bones and meat and flesh <laughs> and neurons firing and all that stuff. And even if we aren't, though, we are still feeling something, like you said. Yeah. You know, we do get our feelings hurt. We do get our bones broken. We do get you know, existential crises yeah, as and all that stuff. there are creatures like us existing, then things like uh, hate and love and you know companionship and fear and pride those are all real things yeah we all i mean or most of us experience all these things right uh i don't know who i was talking to this is why i don't think it reduces down to particle physics i i agree with you yeah i i I agree but like we were doing that or this this that's right that's right this thought experiment (laughs) what is that are you you playing like some kind of weird like tuba over there <laughs> no, it's the chair. And oh, that's lovely, huh? <laughs> that's gonna be great for our listeners. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I have a question. What's up, dude? Why should I be nice to people? Why should I treat people oh, with kindness? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we go, that we have to finish this 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 thought. Okay. All right. Particle physics. We, we, yeah. And be in consciousness. So we were, we were talking while go. the other. And the other night, me and Q kind of did this little thought experiment of if you um, like a young child where they keep asking the question why when they learn what why is and then they start using why and then they just keep whying you back and forth like, yeah. um, well, we can't go get ice cream today. Why? Because you <laughs> and then you I immediately think of something terribly because you were a little shit. <laughs> Because we can't afford Because we're poor. No, exactly, exactly. And then wh- why? Why are we poor? Well, I don't have a job that pays that much. Why? Well, the economy. But mm. then you just keep going. And because if- your dad's a lazy fuck. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm addicted so- to scratch tickets. That's why. <laughs> I love them scratchies. So what happens if you follow why All to the infinity? Yeah. Right. right. Where does that bring you? It and- turns your kids into serial killers. It's funny because I thought about this after you asked me. Yeah. And uh, I think it's Aristotle or Plato talks about different types of causation, which so there's like the efficient cause, there's the final cause. So I think the example he uses is a sculptor carving something out of stone. Mm-hmm. Like why is it a why is it a centaur? Uh, well, because the chisel hit the stone and made a centaur. Well, no, that's one type of cause. A different type of cause is because that was the idea of the artist who made it. Mm. Another factor into it is because the uh, stone was available to the to the craftsman at the time or whatever so there's these different sort of analyses you can run but yeah like you were saying it's kind of it's a causal question you sort of run backwards yeah what does it spiral down to like when when you keep asking why over does and over again end? does it end and does it end up at particle physics right like can we break down like you can well, because it. this proton and this <laughs> neutron and it's spinning around the nucleus and then you go oh in this quark and like if you just you kept asking why over and over and over again where would it take you it'll just put oh, you, I would you figure can just it. go because we can't get ice cream <laughs> and it's just a giant loop <laughs> Because I said I love so. It. <laughs> love it. Because I am your god and I say no. <laughs> okay. I was, I was thinking kind of, I was thinking it would become more global. Like it'd, it'd just be more like, it would, uh, the argument, the, the why would become more broad. But it does. what you're saying, but it becomes so broad that it actually 
retracts back to like it the simplifies more. I think it becomes so micros- broad. It becomes it only comes down to particle physics when you go back to like Big Bang or something. Exactly, because yeah. it's all going to have to shrink down in one it, way or another. But you can exactly. you can go beyond that. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think what I said was because there's something rather than nothing. Yeah. Right. right. And because if there was nothing, then you can't talk about it because it's nothing. Exactly. So that's the final point. So you can't talk about what's not existent, right? Because if you can talk about it, it's sure it exists in some form. True nothingness can't even be spoken of, right? Oh, boy. oh shit! What so, was in that beer? So, so when your three-year-old asks you why, that's the answer. <laughs> and that's all you need to tell them. Oh, and man. then you break their you brain. Tw- yep. You just say twenty-seven and walk away. <laughs> Twenty-three. Walk away and like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> that's why you never say no. And you just give them whatever they want. That's a horrible, <laughs> horrible. I, I, w- I would not recommend that. <laughs> you spoil your kids and you never say no. Check. You had a question. What, yeah. Why should you be nice, though? Yeah, why should I be kind to people? Why well, should I treat people okay. with respect? Is this, is this what do you mean by kind? Um, I don't know. First question. I don't know. I was going to hope you were to break it down. Well, I mean, I, I could, but you, you said... Why should I be kind? Which implies an understanding of what that means. Why should you act one way as opposed to another? Yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, in my opinion, uh, I'm a big believer in that conditioning behavior sort of thing. So if you if you are an asshole to everyone, it's a lot easier for you, be, for you to be an asshole. So that's one reason why... I, think you should just not be an asshole to people it's just because you're going to condition yourself to be more respectful um kant said that we should never treat people as an end i'm not sorry we should always treat people as an end never as a means so you never try to treat someone as like a a means to some other end they are the end in themselves they are important enough to be their own end they're not something that you're using to get somewhere else you can't use people don't use them as a tool don't use them as a tool yeah exactly don't Um, use them as a stepping stone or like but his opinion on ethics yeah exactly was um was very sort of based in this rational part of our mind that i've already said we don't follow so i think we should be nice to people because it conditions your future action I think that anything that is capable of suffering is worthy of moral uh, consideration. And people are obviously capable of suffering, so they're wor- worthy of moral consideration. Hmm. You know? So don't be an asshole. <laughs> I know with the the Buddhist approach is to... It's, it's sort of the practice of minimizing suffering... Is it was that kind of? I mean, is that just kind of a real minimizing or eliminating? I don't know. What? Well, that's okay. So, the, well, that's an interesting question because that's I've seen scholarly papers on that distinction. Sure, like elimination versus minimizing. Because isn't some suffering beneficial as a way of growing, as a way of improvement? Way as a way of of like evolving mm. or transforming well yeah i mean the the buddha had to suffer before he realized right. maybe this is not a good thing right and people who 
join monasteries are obviously like, well, you know, I suffered and it doesn't feel sure. good, so I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, don't touch the hot stove, you get burnt, and then yeah. you don't do it again. Yeah, I mean, well, like, there's an appreciation of sort of, an, like, for somebody who endures hardship, you know, there's a, there's a very intrinsic reward at the end when they get through it, and they maybe. get through it. I mean, maybe. It depends on oh, the hardship. I mean, that's the thing. Certainly. Is like, I think the way I like to think about it is suffering's bad because it feels bad. Sure. So we want to get rid of it. We want to alleviate that when we can, where we can. So on the gross level, that looks like hunger and poverty and people not being able to satisfy their basic physiological needs. Yes. Once you satisfy that, you go to another level where it's like, how do you sort of uh, cope with this materialist society? And that's the suffering of impermanence and things that arise and fall and that you can't do anything about. Right. Um, But I don't know if at a certain point, like, oh, that's suffering. That's good. I mean, they, they learned blah, blah, blah through that. Well, wouldn't it be better if they learned such and such without having to go through the suffering? Wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and someone's like, oh, I know not to do this because if I do, I'm going to go through seven weeks of suffering. Right. Like, I don't <clears throat> think that justifies the suffering. But if we can do it without the suffering, wouldn't it be better? Well, is uh, so I think what you're trying to get at is that there's some people that think like suffering might be like a badge of courage, right? Or, or something like where I yeah. I suffered, therefore, like this is better. It, this, yeah, it, it, it was worth it. Like there was something like I actually like, oh, I'm, I want to run a marathon. Well, that, I had to suffer to, to be able to do that. Yeah, so now it was you worth value it, it more you know, yeah. in a way. Well, that's what I wonder is like, is it suffering? If you're in, if you're going through a hardship and you're thinking the entire time, I can't wait till I get all that praise at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's usually not what's in your thought. You're I just know, like not consciously, of sure, course, but yeah. maybe unconsciously. Yeah. Maybe you're just right, like, maybe. oh man, I can't wait to do this like missions trip because all the people at my church are gonna like totally suck my god dick. Yeah. Wasn't well, that like a lot of like people who give who like do charity work like they do it more for that the reward of it makes oh, oh, it makes me feel good, feel good. Yeah. Well, that's interesting it's like that's a really interesting is area that, of philosophy that make you feel good motivation or versus justification versus like why are you actually doing stuff are you doing stuff because you've reasoned that that's the best thing to do or are you doing it because it makes you feel good a selfish you know it's it's really an interesting sort of thing and i think it's really good for us to sort of step back and ask ourselves these questions like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Am I doing this because it's, like, I'm expecting some reward? Am I doing this because it's going to be better for me? Like, I don't know. That's, like, another thing, like, don't spoil your spoil your kids. Well, why not? It makes them feel good. Or learning the value of a dollar. Should you have to feel poor and not be able to get things mm. later to understand that that dollar means more to you now? Yeah, and there's, like, obviously there's a balance there because on one end, you're going to spoil them. And on right. the other end you're going to give them trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, obviously <laughs> you can't, can't have that ice cream because we're poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Jesus, we so, can't afford anything. And then you, they have kids like no ice cream for yeah. any of you yeah. because we're poor. So that's, that's kind of what I was kind of alluding to was sort of it being used as a way, not necessarily as like a badge of honor or like, like a, a way of bragging, but think, sort yeah. of like understanding the value of something or a situation or what it means it's like 
it's like somebody who was born into a, a, an affluent family who gets everything handed to them. Yeah, but what if you could find a balance between that, like Hugh is saying, where where you don't have to you don't have to make them suffer. Like you don't have to teach them the value of the dollar by not like feeding them that night or whatever, because that's what you grew well, up. Well, again, I'm I'm super lucky to, at least I feel like I'm super lucky to have gone through what I've gone through to the degree that I've gone through that it wasn't any worse to know certain sure. things like the value of a dollar. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, definitely. Sure. You know, definitely. or to know how good physical health is or anything like that. Like. Yeah, you can make those lessons a lot harder. I'm lucky that that didn't happen. Again, luck swallows everything. So yeah, you're right. I think the point is, like, in some cases, yeah, maybe some people had to go through more suffering to learn the same lesson that other people had to go through less suffering to learn. Yeah, different degrees of suffering, But right? it doesn't mean that the suffering's good yeah. ever. Okay. I think a better way to ask that question is to say, well, if all suffering was eliminated, does that mean the Buddhist project is null and void? Right. Has that reached its like completion? And that's a, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure. Um, I doubt that there's going to be a total elimination of suffering as long as there's people around. But yeah, there's so many people, so many variables. Suffering exists. Yeah, or I mean, we made it up again. It, if there's so it as long as exists. there's creatures like us, and as long as there's a conditioned existence that's impermanent, there's going to be that at least that level of suffering. We might be able to get rid of all pain, all uh, gross anguish, but as long as there's a condition existence, which there has to be, because we live in one, sure, there's going to be that level of suffering. So I guess there's always going to be grist for the mill. Okay. Man. Yep. And That's like saying anything, though. You mean? make something up, and it exists. It'll always exist, as long as it's in your brain. You can say that with suffering. You can say that with light. Well, light. I remember light. Even if light was gone, I don't know. Maybe that's well, a bad. I mean, I mean, my brain is like it existed at one time. <laughs> We're breaking James. <laughs> what did you? I love lamp. Couldn't you argue that unicorns exist? Even though they're like mythological creatures, you ask somebody the idea what, of them. Exists. You ask somebody mm. what a unicorn to draw a unicorn they know what a unicorn is they're gonna draw it therefore yeah i mean charles sanders pierce once made a distinction between existence and reality okay i don't remember which is which (laughs) but one of i think the unicorn's real but it doesn't exist it's real because yeah because we can think about it but it doesn't it doesn't exist you show me a picture of unicorn i know i tell you that's a unicorn yeah Okay. I mean, in the same sense, do the laws of nature exist? Does oh man, we're getting, I mean, getting deep right now. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like, I mean, if so, you know, whatever the acceleration of a mass is on in Earth's gravity, yeah, whatever that formula is, is that something that is part of the quote furniture of the universe? Yeah, is that something you're going to go out to the universe and trip over? No, it's a way we've symbolically represented mm-hmm. this fact of the universe. But so that we can, how does it? Where does its existence lie? You know, it's like all a language, right? We yeah. need to communicate oh. with each other somehow. So <laughs> oh, this is gonna make me uncomfortable. <laughs> like ever, we we've created everything that ever existed, right? Or, or we created everything that's ever real because we gave it... We've labeled we, everything. We've labeled everything. Yeah. Given it yeah. a name or one, in one sense or another. Yeah. Or we've given a name to things we can't name and called it ineffable. Yeah. 
I mean, that's an, so it's an interesting, reminds me of an interesting part of Buddhist philosophy, like the hardcore philosophy side of things where it's, um, they'll talk a lot about concepts and how concepts are limiting and how, um, and this is usually, I think it's like in the Tibetan, more in the Tibetan schools or Vajrayana, but basically at bottom, you want to get to this non-dual understanding of things, no duality. Now, the first basic duality between anything is separating one entity from another so that there's two or typically separating self from other. Mm. So when you're tripping your nuts off on some sort of psychedelic and you lose that, that basic division between self and other, some people refer to it as a spiritual experience. In the Buddhist context, this idea of non-duality is existence that isn't partitioned into concepts yet. So one way to think about this is there is a way that things are mm. that is so fundamental it hasn't even been divided into concepts yet. Okay. And that's what we're all trying to get back to. And as soon as we start putting concepts on top of it, then you've got right and wrong, then you've got self and other, then you've got left and right or up and down or, you know, red, blue, you know, it's all these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that type of division is what causes... Your uh, causes you to go back into attraction, aversion, seeking after things, clinging after, th clinging after things, and whatnot. But if you're sort of at this level where it's all just everything, just is. Yeah, it's undifferentiated. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they call it like suchness, or uh, yeah, there's a word for it. I can't remember what it is, but it's this sort of yeah. You can't talk about it because you, as soon as no. you start talking about it, you put concepts Ex on it. Exactly. So yeah. you can point at it, yeah. you can kind of gesture towards it, but you can't really like describe it because as soon as you start using language, then you have these concepts and whatnot. Do you think there's any like animals or, or, or sentient or some like things that that exist in such a way where they're just kind of being moved around and they're, they they have no labels or concepts or things like like bees and hive or I whatever, think that's, right? I think that's almost all animals to yeah. a sense because it's so except maybe like dolphins or like yeah i mean it's 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 interesting because humans have this ability to sort of reflect on things we can think about our own thought process we can yeah. articulate these things obviously we have this whole symbolic language to do all this crazy stuff with i don't know if if dolphins and i don't know beavers have words for fish and dam yeah 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 i don't know if they represent it that way but something's going on there. Right. Um, I don't know if it's a sharp line where certain animals don't have this sort of representational understanding. And that's not to say that dolphins or beavers have like a self, like... Are they aware? They're not like self-consciousness. Yeah. They're aware in some sense. Yeah. But then again, like that's, that's an interesting question. But people tend to associate that question. Well, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to see like when, when does that come online? Like what is it about... Is it neural complexity? I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of an interesting organism. Definitely. Um, and I recently found out we're the deadliest organism ever. Really? Ever? Ever. Organism ever? How yes. so? Um, basically, the elimination of megafauna in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. And when humans enter, all the megafauna goes away because we hunt it all. Right. And oh, yeah. 
if you tally up all of the species that we're directly sort of a part of diminishing. Oh, there was a ton. Dead, there was deadliest a whole, species. It was was it like some um, catastrophic? Um, oh man, there was a name for it. Something yes. about catastrophic something megafauna yes. or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard in about North this. America, like the, like there was these giant sloths that roamed across, you know, Wyoming. Yes, nope. the, all these weird big mammals that you never really like. And what's crazy about that is that we did this all before we had a concept of history. This was before the, the agricultural revolution. This was before we really had cities. Yeah, this yeah. was like dudes in loincloths with spears. <sighs> yep. And that deadly then. We had that much of an impact on the environment then. Well, we're going to destroy the world soon. Exactly. So. <laughs> I know. Got like about 12 years left. In the I know. <laughs> the whole world is dead. I know. I so. know. It's a, a determination of what's been going on. It's scary, right? It is scary. All right. So now that we've freaked everybody out, <laughs> okay, I think we should end on a positive note here. All right? Yeah. So, Q, do you have any, like, what's like a fun fact or saying or one of your favorite like you know philosopher quotes or something like that like oh my something God. that you think of fondly like um it's not a well there's a couple well you can give us a couple I'll just give you a bunch of quotes yeah. okay and, and cool none of them are by philosophers I don't think alright the first one is by a good friend of mine's father, Ron. All right. And he talks about, well, it's not even a quote. It's just this concept of living in the tension. Yeah. And that's what he does. That's what he, he'll say himself that he lives in the tension a lot. And that's, I think, what more people need to get comfortable doing mm. is sort of like, things might be up in there. That's okay. Yeah. We're all just trying to figure this stuff out. Yep. You know, uh, here's an actual quote from uh, another friend of mine. We're all just walking each other home, man. Hmm. You I know? Like it. So it could be things, you know, intellectual. You're just trying to like, help someone else see something yeah or you know talk about oh why do you think that political point i think this because of these reasons mm. you know you don't have to be combative if you look at each other as more fraternally rather than this yeah trying to fall back into this tribalism then of course i think that's a good thing another quote and i just uh this has been stuck in my head since i read it it's um isabella stewart gardner mm -hmm. the Boston socialite who opened that museum. I was gonna say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she has. A, I think it's a uh, win like you're used to it and lose like you like it. Hmm. Win like you're used to it and lose like you like it and lose like you. Oh like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's Fuck a good yeah, one. Isabella. Yeah. No, that's a good win. one. Like, like you're, you're used, used to it. it. Happens oh, all the time, baby. Fucking win. That's how I do. Yeah. Yeah. Lose I like lost. you like it. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm gonna learn from it next time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that's a good oh, piece of advice. That's not philosophy, but. Well, I mean, is it? Is that's it like uh That's oh, like. Here's another one that I just thought of. I don't know if it's a. I think it's a quote. Might be from a flaw. Might be from Kant. All right. But. Um, judge a man not by how he treats those he views as his equal, but by. Um, how he treats those he views as less than him. That's beautiful. And cue the buffer music.
God, my mind has been blown. Yeah, definitely. That that was a that was a crazy one. That was a solid episode, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, like we've known Q for a while, and definitely learned a lot of stuff. Picked his brain about stuff that I haven't really asked him about before. So yeah, he knows a lot of stuff about that philosophy. It's really great to hear his wisdom on the subject. Mm, Indeed. So, uh, in our quality control segment today, I don't have too much, but um, I do have a couple of things, so uh, let's get to it. Indeed. Uh, The first thing was philosopher David Hume. We talked about Hume. Yes. And um, I looked up when he was alive, um, and it was 1711 to 1776. So, originally, I think... Um, I think Q said 17th century. Q said 17th century, yeah. So he was off by a little bit, but but not too bad. I just wanted okay. to clarify that. We forgive him. Yeah, of course. Uh, the next thing was um, he had mentioned an article a few times um, uh, by Galen Strawson. Okay. And he said the name kind of quick in the episode. And the name of the article was Luck Swallows Everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so he'd mentioned that a couple of times. So you can actually read that um, piece of writing online for free. Uh, I found it on naturalism.org, and they have the whole thing published there. Hmm. And you can read that that article, Luck Swallows Everything, by Galen Strassen of Oxford University. Ooh. It, hmm. was, uh, it first appeared pl- published in um, Times Literary in 1998. The next thing was Q had mentioned Brahma's dream in passing. I just wanted to clarify who Brahma was, and that is the creator god in Hinduism. Hmm. Yes. So the the last part that I have here is about uh, the Buddha. <coughs> and... The Buddha that is commonly referred to is Siddhartha Gautama, (laughs) and um, he's alive during the 6th century BC in India. So the laughing Buddha, the fat guy, the jolly fat guy (laughs) that like we all know those little statues from. It's not really the Buddha. That is not Siddhartha. So that was this other guy who is a 10th century Chinese monk named, I believe the pronunciation is Budai. And um, basically, uh, there's this really great How Stuff Works article that explains how that guy, that Chinese monk, got morphed into being known as this laughing Buddha guy. Yeah. So I would definitely direct everybody's attention to the How Stuff Works article called That Fat Jolly Fella Isn't Buddha. (laughs) And um, the other pretty popular podcast stuff you should know from the how stuff works people they actually do a, a quick episode on that so uh that those guys do a great job i'm a huge fan of their podcast and i would suggest you listen to that if you're curious of how that jolly fat guy is not the buddha for sure definitely yeah and i mean that's that's all i've got today guys <clears throat> yeah i yeah. hope you guys liked the episode uh i liked it don't forget to like us on facebook follow us on instagram subscribe to our podcast and uh just give us some feedback let us know how you like the show uh what we could change to make it better and uh yeah that's it yeah thanks for listening guys hey guys peace see you
sausage candles. <laughs>